Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 19 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. It's a beautiful day out. Yeah. Yeah, the the weather, and I think it's going to get warm again for a little bit, I imagine. But for the last couple of days, it has just been like fall weather here in Cleveland. Which I will be annoyed when it's actually fall, but since it's still September, uh, which I guess we might actually be into official fall now. Um, yeah, feels uh, great. We've got, we've got like a week. We've got a week and change before it is really, truly, like officially fall. Um, At least here in the States. I know other places reckon the season slightly differently. But yeah, very nice. I, I, I'm wearing socks for like the first time in months. I know I do. Yeah. No, it is really weird. I, uh, my house is all like I had to like over the summer, uh, since I don't have air conditioning, I just leave my house open, like all the windows and stuff open overnight. So you get some cool air in and I woke up and came downstairs. Right. And then I came downstairs this morning. I was like, Oh, it's cold. It wasn't cold. It was 60 degrees, but like, I was so adjusted to it being 80. It was like, Ooh, 60 is like sweater weather. Um, yeah, it's very good. It feels nice. Uh, you know what else is nice, Dave? It's episode 19 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Drive It In, the Invincible Super Punch. Uh, this episode involves a pretty good, a, a series it's a vi- of yeah. punches. Well, there's one bad one. I well, mean, okay. one bad one, sure. It's bad. It's a very good punch. Uh, it's, as it's the context as, that is bad. Yeah, that. It does a very good job, like, doing the thing that a punch is supposed to do. Just, well, we'll get there. We'll get we, there. We will get to it. <laughs> uh, but, of course, first, Dave, uh, as always, we have our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, okay, man, uh, it's been... It's, we haven't had an episode of uh, specifically Super Sentai Brothers in a few weeks. Uh, we had started yes. school. Yeah, I had started school... And I started school the night before we, we usually drop slash record. And I was just like, man, I, I just I don't have it in me this week. I, I, you know, I just look, my focus is really elsewhere. And then last week, we were just coming off of a, actually a really, really great weekend, which we'll talk about in a second. But I was uh, really intensely video conferenced out. And so we didn't have... We just, uh, it was just a lot. And yeah. so what we've, it's less of a five stars, I would say, this week, and more of a beautiful constellation. Sure. It's like a We're lot just, of, it, it's a lot of little thing. stars. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand all, points of light. There you go. That was good, Matt. That was a way, yeah. to, way to pull it out. So... We got a bunch what have you been up to? <laughs> uh, so actually, I've been, I've, I've been uh, astonishingly busy Actually, I kind of forgot. I, I, uh, I, you know, I worked yesterday, and I work a lot of days, uh, most of them, in fact, now. And I, I took the little, I, I took my kids for a little drive, and it was towards the end of the day. It was only like four o'clock or something. And uh, Sugar Bean, she's in the back seat, and she says, uh, "She's like, hey, is this day? Is it almost over? Or like, it's almost night?" And I said, well, you know, like we're driving around and then it's going to be dinner time and then it'll be bedtime. And she said, this day went fast. And I was like, dang, you're only three. But yes, it did go really fast. And I sort of, I know this is sort of wild and like, whoa, is me. But now that summer vacation is over, uh, I kind of forget how fast a day goes when you're working for most of it. Oh, yeah, man. Like. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it is. It's like that. It just flew by, and all of a sudden it was like four o'clock, and I was like, "Oh, thank goodness, my workday is over. Like I can go like hang out with my kids." But then it was like basically time for for dinner and then bedtime. So that's really that's been kind of weird. But um, actually, I had some really amazing stuff happen. This was the uh, this past weekend, and this is what I was talking about before. Every Labor Day weekend, um, Matt and I and producer Mark and um, all of our buddies from kind of all the Retrograde Orbit shows uh, all get together for a big, like, gaming slash, like, kind of college reunion 
get together. Yeah, it is our annual tradition. We've talked we've been about doing it. it for a decade, almost. Plus. Yeah, almost ten years now. And I, um, I think it's actually been more than ten years. We skipped a year early on because it was a year that like everybody was busy. But I think the first year we did it was two thousand nine. Oh, you think you might be right. So it is. It's ten years, and it's um, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's like one of my my all time favorite weekends of the year. I look. We all look forward to it a lot. And obviously, we we couldn't really do it this year. But what we decided to do is we said, listen, we're going to do it as as best we can. We're going to do it virtually. So we set up a Discord server, and everybody got on, and we just kind of spent. We had like a pizza party on Saturday night, where like everybody just put their computer at the table, and everybody ordered pizza all together. And the pizza party thing was, I think, the thing that was the most surprising to me in the in like the realness of it. Like it really did in a way that I was not expecting feel like having dinner with everybody. Yeah, it was really nice. I, you know, I've been looking forward to the weekend, but also been a little, you know, a little uh, trepidatious about it. Yeah, same. Because it's such a special weekend for us, and it was going to be so weird. But, like, dude, honestly, it was, like, a lot of the stuff that I was worried about not working super well actually worked really well. Because what we do normally is we play a bunch of games together, right? Yeah. But the games that we play together are, like, board games, mostly. Yeah. Um, Yes. But, and and so we we sort of had two thoughts, right? We were going to do... we were going to try the Jackbox party games, which none of us had really spent a lot of time playing, but are really set up well to do like remote playing with a bunch of different people. That is the thing, dude. Those games were like, those Jackbox party games are a blast and well worth the investment. I feel like yeah. some of them were better than other ones. That's but... definitely true. Yeah, but it really, like really, really genuinely felt like just sitting around playing party games. It was awesome. Yeah. That was super fun. And then we also all played, uh, we all got the Tabletop Simulator game on Steam, which is just, Tabletop Simulator is not itself a game. It is just like a 3D physics engine in which you can load elements of board games and manipulate them. I um, I tried to mess with that, and I got about 30 seconds into it, and I was like, I feel like this is going to give me a gigantic headache. You know, uh, 30 seconds in, and it was a huge pain. Once we had really spent a little time with it and gotten used to the controls, and I had figured out like how to make the camera work in a way that was uh, good, and not in a way that was nightmarish. Mm. Um, yeah, that was huge. That would probably be a huge, huge step. We were pl- like, we just played board games together on a computer. Like, you know, it took longer because things were, you know, we were trying to figure out a, a computer system while also trying to learn the rules of Scythe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which yeah, by the way, course. super fun game. Um, Scythe? Oh, yeah, Scythe. Really, really Oh, yeah, good. dude, Scythe rules. Um, I was not doing super well in it. I'm kind of glad we didn't finish the game. Uh, <laughs> well, who, wait, who are you playing? That's the way. Who's, who did you get? Uh, I was playing the, uh, the, the Poles. Oh, I don't think they're super. I don't feel like they're super great. Well, they're. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to go into like the super details of Scythe. Um, they have a they have a special power. It's really they got me a good bonus early game, mm. uh, but okay. did not. All right. I take it. I take it. Did not seem to sort of bolster my end game strategy, or you know, to the extent that we got to an end game. So it did not bolster my mid game strategy. Uh. But the fact <laughs> that we were able to like sit around and play a board game and have a mid game strategy on our computers was like really kind of a miracle the idea of like i'm just trying to imagine how the equivalent weekend would have been had we done it this way the first time like 10 years ago oh you couldn't have technology existed then no it it would have been crazy it would have just been like somebody with a camera trying to move all the pieces for everyone it would have been madness yeah Um, and like the skype call would have been like somehow even more unstable than skype is now Um, anyways, man, it was a blast. And I would just like, if you are, uh, I don't know if you find yourself in a place where you're like, well, we thought about doing this, but it seemed like it would be sad and a bummer. It's not, it was, it was totally great. Um, get together with your, with your friends over, over discord and like do, do games or something. Don't do like a virtual happy hour. Um, is, would be my recommendation. Oh, briefly speaking of games, I got in, we got in a round, another testing round of Tulip Mania. 
the game oh, that I'm yeah. working on. This, now, this was the first time I had had a chance to actually play the game. We've talked about it a fair bit. Yes. But, uh, uh, so you played it, and this was huge for me. Uh, Mom and Dad played it. Yeah, our parents were visiting last week. Oh, yeah, uh, which, was, which was awesome. Uh, which was they, kind of the other reason we didn't do an episode last week. Yeah, Mom and Dad were. Mom and Dad were in, and... It was, uh, you know, they did a super hard quarantine beforehand, and then so did we. So we were like, all right, safe. And they were able to drive up with no stops. Uh, we're still being very responsible. Just want to keep that PSA out there. And, um, man, it was awesome. It was so great to be able to see mom and dad, uh, not just because they play with my kids, but that doesn't hurt. And so <laughs> we were, um, yeah, so we were able to get in a round of this Tulip Media game. And I just, man, I'm really stoked. I really feel like this game has legs. It was tons of fun. Yeah, the thing is about Tulip Mania, and this is going to sound... Okay, I don't know how this is going to sound. I was not surprised by the fact that it was, like, a game, but I was a little surprised when we were sitting around and playing it. I'm like, oh, this is a game. Like, this is not an idea for a game. This is a game. Yeah, that was something that I noted like the first time I sat down with um our buddies Bill and Ben and played it that I was like, "Oh, this game actually requires I really thought this game was going to require a lot more uh like polishing and like adding bits and knocking bits off cuz like that's kind of the game design process." And it it really doesn't in in many ways. Like this yeah, I'm sure there's room for, you know, polish and refinement and expansion. Yeah, 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 like, there definitely is. But, but the um, bones of it, like, are really there and work. And the thing that I thought was super fun, and I think was the coolest bit for me, is that, um, and I really, I'm not saying this is like a knock on mom, she's just not a board game person in that sense, but, like, mom had a had a ton of fun playing it. And that was, like, a huge data point for me. That, like, oh, okay, cool. Like, this is a game that that somebody who... You know, I'm actually going to back that statement up. I think mom is much more of a board game person than she she realizes or thinks of herself being. I mean, she did better than either of us did in that game. She did beat both of us. <laughs> well, like, if you asked her, I don't think she would say that she's a board game person. But every time we, like, sit down and start to play games... um. As long as they are in a in like the zone where you do not have to have been a board game person for the last like ten years mm-hmm. to like make sense of this game, like she is she is into it and has fun and gets the rules pretty quickly and usually does pretty well. So I think Mom actually is a board game person, just has not had a lot of exposure. So um so yeah, so it's Tulip Mania. It's going super well. I'm hoping to have a, I thought actually about trying to do a virtual tabletop, like a tabletop simulator version of it. And then again, I got like 30 seconds into tabletop simulator and said to myself, no, that's, that's I, I fine. think what you need is to figure out which one of your friends enjoys messing around with like the creation side of tabletop simulator and have them do it for you. Good point. Good point. I've got to, I, I surely I know somebody. So, um, ooh, Matt. Yeah. You know what else you know we could talk about? Sure. It's time for Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. Dave, I had here's here's my Bun Vulcan uh, update for this week is as aforementioned our parents were in town and they were they were bouncing back and forth between your place and my place but they were sleeping at my place right yeah which means that they were at my place more for more total like time than they normally are uh when they're in town to visit because they normally stay with you right right um which was great it was very fun to have them at my place for that long here's what i kind of had not calculated before Mm. they showed up okay is that I have not sort of purchased, uh, I have not purchased bread since May. I only make my bread now, right? Yeah. Which, you know, is very manageable. But what I have realized is that making sure that you always have bread on, like homemade bread in stock at home is a lot easier to do for one person than it is to do for three people. Because like my batch (laughs) of baguettes generates four like decently sized baguettes and that gets me, you know, four or five days. 
Yeah. So I only make bread every four or five days. But when there are three people in the house and they all like bread, then I, I made three separate batches of baguettes like that one week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can see that would that would happen. Dude, this is the um I have the same sort of thing, which is now that so I've got a teenager and two uh two young kids and then of course uh-huh. my wife and I and so now now that it, like we, you would be a ast- I mean, maybe you wouldn't cuz you've seen the meat I am blown away by the volume of food that that young kids consume like my kids they just weighed themselves early today they're between like 32 and 34 pounds and they eat so they're like 33 pounds on average uh, so I, like, I can eat more than them, like, obviously, but on a regular basis, I, I don't. Like, we have about the same amount of breakfast and, like, breakfast and lunch, uh, which is just wild to me. But anyways, like, when we sit down, if we have, like, sandwiches for lunch, right, like, I have two, my wife has two, and the kids each have one, or sometimes I'll have, like, one and a half or whatever, but, like, that's a whole loaf of bread, like yeah. a like a loaf of bread doesn't even last a day. It lasts a meal. It's just a bunch of us. So here's my only uh, Bun Vulcan update. I am continuing to to zero in on a really great Genoese, and mm. I think the most recent yeah, I think the most recent one I made was the best one I've made. It was really good, and I the cooking time is even less again. My my uh, cookbook mentor, Jackie Pfeiffer, is like 30 to 35 minutes for this cake. I put this cake in for 18 minutes. Wow. And it was, yeah, and it was done. Like, it was totally, it was good. So that is my, that's my thing is I'm still zeroing in. But it was, uh, it was a real good cake, Matt. It was a real, real good cake. Nice. You love to hear it. Uh, okay. You know, normally we have a list of topics that we're going to discuss, and so it's very easy to transition from one thing to the other. But right now, I know we're at the end of Bun Vulcan, and I know we're there's just, other stuff we meant to talk man, about. Man, we're loose. But I we're, can't we're, remember what it is. We're out. We're outside. We're off the res, man. We're outside the bounds of of stricture. Things are just flowing free. Oh, dude. Uh, speaking of sort of being out in the wilderness, I've been playing a new video game. Okay. I've uh, not. I've just been playing Pathfinder still. Still waiting on that respec bug to be fixed. It's supposed to be fixed tomorrow, is what I'm hoping. That is sort of why I have uh, hit the pause button on Pathfinder for myself, because I really need to respect my characters in that uh. game. <laughs> like, it is not It's, it's bad, good. right. Um, so anyways, what have you been playing? I've been playing Wasteland 3. I just don't even... I literally don't know that I've ever even heard of it. Okay, neither I'm, had I. It is obviously the sequel to Wasteland 2, uh, which is itself a sequel to Wasteland. Now, Wasteland 2... Yeah, I did, wa- I did put that together. Thank you. Yeah. Wasteland 3 just came out, right? Wasteland 2 came out in 2014. Wasteland came out in 1988. Yo, no kidding. Oh, yeah. it's published by Deep Silver. That's actually, Deep Silver is the same publisher that did um, Pathfinder. Oh, no way. Um, anyway, basically it is like a third, like a, like an isometric camera, like computer RPG, like turn-based fighting stuff. Okay. Dig it. And like, you are these like people in this wasteland who are like building up a base and like, it's, it's kind of Fallout-esque. I think I, I heard somewhere and I am sort of vaguely scrolling through a wikipedia to find uh some sort of uh proof of this but my understanding is that the uh the fallout games were really um like the first two fallout games at least were very influenced by the first wasteland game oh okay so this game kind of and i've never actually played the first two fallout games but like I think if you like the first two Fallout, like that style of game of the first two Fallout games, you should try Wasteland 3. And, and Oh, and also, if you have the Game Pass, it is currently free on the Game Pass for Xbox. Oh, sick. Okay, nice. So, I don't know if you still have that, but I do, so it was a very easy uh, very easy thing for me easy, to just hop into. Easy pickup. 
Uh, I do not right now. I do not. Although I'm vaguely considering getting it back. So, Matt, I think you you have one other thing pretty, pretty big going on in your your sort of space. Uh, wait, do I? Well, the space that you live in. Oh, sure. Currently. Yeah, I'm looking for a house. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I didn't want to say it for you. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's actually kind of a weird situation because I really love my apartment and like would, it's a great apartment and frankly would like would happily stay here for many more years. But like my landlord sold the building earlier this year and currently my new landlords are trying to sell it again to newest landlords, newer, newest, I guess further new there's, there's a further iteration on new landlord and I just don't know I mean, how many times I can deal with that in one apartment in like one year. So I am using this as an opportunity to explore my housing options, uh, which is slightly exciting, pretty terrifying. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping to kind of balance those scales so that it's pretty exciting and slightly terrifying. You know, the sort of further I get into the process. You know, man, uh, having as a dude who has uh, bought bought houses, that is, uh, you just you just roll with it. It is pretty wild when you first like, like the first time you do it. It's actually it was very similar uh, in an odd sort of way to like getting married. Well, still haven't done like, that one either, Dave. So that's not a really useful data point for me. Okay, good good point. Uh, it's a lot like having kids. Okay, is it anything like? It's it's like when you're it's like when you're starting a new Pathfinder character and okay. you're like this is a really big investment except you can't respec. You just can't respec. Well, now, Maybe I shouldn't have used that. I was going to that. say that's a bad example cuz the most recent Pathfinder <laughs> character I made I desperately need to respec. <laughs> no, nah, it'll Vegas be it'll is be not fine. that easy of a class to figure out for a new time uh player. So um no, man, you know, it's, listen, there's no need to be trepidatious. Yeah. Be, you'll be fine. Yeah, no, you'll, it's, do, it's, you'll do great. It's interesting because, it, like, in my price range, what I am finding is, like, like cool but small condos that are in an area I would like to live or, mm. like, decent recently fixed up houses that are, like, 20 minutes away from where I want to live. And, again, I'm just trying to, like, find... Find that zone, right? Well, Matt, you know what the three most important things in real estate are? Um, availability, price, and uh, condition of the property? No, Matt, it's location, location, and location. I know it's location. Yeah, location is very important. So, yeah, that's I, I don't have a ton of jokes about this. I went to go look at a place yesterday because when I looked at it on the computer, I was like, if I lived there... <laughs> It would kind of feel like I lived in Daredevil's loft apartment in It the did Netflix have a strong show. Daredevil vibe. And I was just like, man. Okay, this, this place I went to go look at yesterday. And Lord knows if I'll actually go with this one or if it's a terrible idea or whatever. But it's the only place I've gone and looked at yet. So I'm going to talk about it for a sec. Um, there, It is a big sort of like open concept, like studio loft apartment condo thing, right? So, one wall was basically all huge windows, which is amazing. Yeah. It kind of feels like the Daredevil loft, which is also great. And, like, it is a small space, but, like, fully one quarter of it is just kitchen, kitchen counter. Like, it is an... That's... It's just a huge kitchen counter. It is a kitchen counter so large that if I did get this place, I feel like I would be, like contractually obligated when I signed, you know, the paperwork to it, uh, that I would have to start a YouTube channel about cooking because it's just like so perfectly situated. Because <laughs> you got the right, yeah. yeah. I couldn't do it. My kitchen isn't set up right Yeah, now. I know, I know. Hey, listen, and, and you know I have long thought about like, what would it take if I were to sort of set up my apartment in such a way that I could pretend that one corner of it was a, uh, like a Tonight Show Set with like the desk and the couch. Oh well, I think everybody has that thought. Yeah, but this with with this place, it's open enough that you could actually do it if you wanted to pretend to live in a Tonight Show set, which is dumb, who doesn't? But very fun. Anyway, so that's those. I I think Dave, that is our constellation for the week. 
Yeah, a lot of great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 19 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called, once again, Drive It In, The Invincible Super Punch. Written by Junki Takagami. Original air date, June 22nd, 1997. Uh, you can watch along on ShoutFactory.tv, or you can buy the DVDs if you have a DVD player. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. This episode starts... This this episode starts in, like, a scene that exists halfway through the movie Independence Day. That's what, I, that's what I've got, too. We've got a big flying saucer, and it's a great model. It's a great and model. And I really... It's really man. I, I, uh, I really appreciate a good model. I appreciate a good model to the degree, Matt. I have vaguely. I don't. I've never done this, and I don't think I can let myself go down this road. But I have vaguely considered being like a model guy. Oh, like a model kits guy. Like a, like a model kits guy. I have. I've thought about it, or like a diorama guy. I thought. I've considered it. I think it's in the same universe as being a model train guy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know how some people are like, yeah, man, I've just got like I've got an addictive personality and I just can't, you know, like I'm not going to try. I'm not going to touch those things. I'm not going to I'm not going to have one drink because I know where that might go. Uh, I feel the same way I think about model trains. I'm like, nope, not even not even one. Can't do it. So, you know, here's here's the thing, Dave. I think that you, if you ever want to be that, the thing that you need to do is to determine that your workshop for that is going to be in your basement. And that you would have Mm. to, like, clean out your basement in order to set up a thing, in order to start that hobby. So then either that will stop you from ever starting that hobby, or... It'll you know get a nice clean basement out of the deal. Listen, I would. I have had a clean basement in in the past. I'm I'm looping back around. I know. I'm, I'm I'm not trying to put you so on blast good, here. <laughs> so it's a good. Anyways, uh, it's a very good model, and it's uh, there's some kid that I I feel like we know. Well, I mean, and maybe we've seen him in previous episodes. Kenton knows the him. Rangers. Kenta knows him. And so this, but this, it, it's beaming around the city. It's like floating around the city. And it, then it just straight up Independence Day's a building. Like there's a big blast yeah. and it explodes. Like if I didn't, if I didn't know better, well, actually I don't know that I know better. It, if you told me that the person who did the Independence Day sequence had seen this episode of Super Sentai first and was just like, I like that, but I'm going to do a big budget version of it. I would believe it. Like it is, it is exactly the same. Well, that Dave, bit uh, also Independence Day came out in 1996. Uh, what did I? Oh, I. This was 97. 97. Right? Yeah, this is the year after Independence Day. This is almost exactly one oh, year after okay. Independence Day. You know what? In my mind, I don't know why Independence Day came out in 99. Oh. Okay. I mean, a lot of movies came out in 99. Matrix came came out in 99. Phantom Menace came out in 99. I was thinking of it as coming out in 99. It's a ridiculous year for movies. Anyways, so uh, they do. They just straight up Independence Day this building. And I. this is the... Okay, so then something like Kune Kune paratroopers down from this this saucer. One dude straight up gets like a flying boot to the head. Like a person from a Kune Kune. And they're just like grabbing kids. And this is the point where I thought that we were going to get the reveal that this was not really happening. Yeah, me too. I really thought we were in like a nightmare sequence. Yes, we're not. This is all really happening. (laughs) Okay, so the Kunikuni are kidnapping children. The the Mega Rangers arrive and they're like, okay, the Kunikuni are here. We need to shoot them with our laser guns. And then they notice that like, Ah, there's a lot of kids right next to those kune kune, and we have not all taken the feet precise shot, so we got a penalty That's for shooting my into notes combat. Too. And if we fail too badly, we're gonna, you know, there, there's a there's a there's a mischance that we can actually hit our own party. So we're not going to do that. 
Yeah, well, you t- you're taking that plus four difficulty or minus four for firing into melee. So that's the, you know, it's concerning. It's really tricky, man. Precise shot's so important. It is. It's bad. It's such an important feat. That and uh, point, point blank, blank shot. Point yeah. blank shot is huge. So the Kenta is like, all right, no worries. I will just solve this problem with my many punches. Right. So he goes and, in and he's, boy, he's punching them. He's punching them so good. Yeah, it's actually, it's a very good play on Kenta's part because he is a very punchy boy. Uh, and then it's things, you know, there's like a sinister guy up in the background and we don't know what's up with that dude yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll come oh, we'll back. We'll get him. Uh, yeah, we'll get Kenta him. Kenta goes to do like a Roman Reigns Superman punch on this one Kune Kune. But as he is just about to punch that Kune Kune in the face, suddenly there's like a blur, like a flash blur thing. And the Kune Kune has been moved out of the way. And in his place is a small boy named Takeshi. And this is bad because he's already mid-punch. He, he's already past mid-punch. He is in the end game of this punch. Yeah, this... <laughs> and uh, so, so Takeshi eats it. Like, full to the face. Also, can I just say, I have been seeing this name lots of places across various media for many years. I have always assumed it was pronounced Takeshi, and they, in this show, pronounce it Takeshi. And I I just found it, like, disorienting the whole episode. I I can try to say it that way. I promise you I will fail consistently. No, no, no. I'm I'm just going to keep saying it Takeshi and I just I'm just going to admit now that I'm wrong. I was wrong about a thing I didn't know about and uh that's fine. Normally I would push myself to be a better person and correct that wrongness, but I'm just uh I'm just going to roll. I don't know, man. I'm with tired it right now. So anyways, uh I really figured that this sinister punch, this this titular punch for this episode was going to be a monster punch and not Kenta almost killing a child. Well, okay, Dave, there is... I I think that the title of the episode is based on a different punch. There are further punches in this episode. There are further punches, but this is what I was thinking in the moment. I was like, oh, absolutely. I I was like, this was not the punch that I was expecting they would name the episode after. Because the thing is that the title of the episode is Drive It In, The Invincible Deadly Punch. And in this moment, like, I can see why you would call this the deadly punch. Yeah, it definitely... But drive yeah. it in seems pretty bad, guys. Uh, um. So now, spoilers: Takashi does not die. Uh, but he is really—he took a mega red punch to the face. Yeah. He is not doing—he's not doing great. So we jump from there to the Nazare dimension. Well, we jump from there briefly to the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, and uh, Takashi is Takashi is. See, now I actually am doing it weirdly. Um, Takeshi is in the hospital and Kenta is, this is a Kenta episode, by the way, and it's just, it's really, I mean, it's not good that this young boy is in the hospital after being super punched, but it's a really good, some really good stuff from Kenta. Like he is, he is wrecked about this. Um, yes. So now we go to, I mean, very understandably, very understandably so, right? But the thing that I am, um, the thing that I am digging is this is like I just feel like this is really really solid because this is kind of this whole thing, right? Like everybody else is like smart or good at whatever, and Kenta's thing is not. I feel like not just that he is a, a hero in a generalized sort of way, but like he hangs out at the arcade and he is the cool older kid. That, that looks out that for all the younger, these younger kids. kids. Like that's how right, he was that, introduced like, lo- in the first episode. Was specifically yeah, like so, helping these kids when a bully came to hurt them. And so, and now he is like inadvertently hit hurt this kid, and uh, and the actor does a great job. It's just really it's a really great episode. So now, sorry, thank you, Matt. Now we go to the Nazare dimension, right. and Hindelar is. It's furious. Right. Well, the thing is, all three, like Hinalar, Yagande, and Shibalina, they're all like, why did you do this without my permission? But, like, nobody actually, what we find out is that none of the three of them launched this attack. This is, like, this was a Nezere attack. We know that because Kune Kune were there. But it wasn't Yagande doing it without Hinalar's permission, and it wasn't Hinalar doing it without Yagande's knowledge. It is a, it is an entirely different dude. Who is yes. lurking in the shadows. Enter. 
Yeah, enter the entirely different dude from Out the Shadows. His name is Guirail? Guirail? I am sure we are mispronouncing it because, like, it is spelled G-U-I-R-A-I-L, but those letters, like, those sounds are different in Japanese than they are in English. Yeah, um, but Guy Rail, Guy, I, let's just go with Guy Rail. That makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to say Guy Rail. Listener, if you know how this is pronounced, please, like, tweet at me at, at Super Sentai Bros, uh, because it would be better to know how it's pronounced instead of just saying Guy Rail for ever. Because I get the feeling yeah, this guy's going to be around for a while. I guess, spoiler yeah, he for does. the end he's, of this episode. He's got that look. So Guy Rail, he says, oh, I'm, I'm the one who authorized it. He does, like, grab BBDB and, like, it looks like he's about to kill him and that would have been cool, but he doesn't. And then he says, like, I was sent from headquarters. And I really did not think that Hinalar was just, like, the like the franchise manager. I sort of thought, like, <laughs> Hinalar was, like, higher up the the corporate chain than that. Because, like, he's now Guy Rail is here from headquarters. And at first, uh, they don't buy it. But then King Javius, like, comes over, like, the wibbly-wobbly... Uh, yeah, like, like, his big tele- wobbly tele- eye thing. shows up on the viewfinder. And he's like, hey, and he's uh, like, you clearly nope, have been that's... having trouble. So I'm sending my number one guy. Yeah, um, Hinalar is mad salty. He is salty on main about this. <laughs> like, he is it. not happy. And, uh... And then, and then Gyrell just does like a, he's like, I'm going to kill the Rangers. And then he just laughs a bunch and he's got a weird laugh. And I'm not, I'm not totally sure what he's laughing about, but, but he's laughing. Um, so, oh, and also he displays to Dr. Himalar at all that he has a bag full of kidnapped children. Oh, maybe that's what he's laughing about. I did not, I did not realize that that was what that he was pointing to. Yeah. So uh, we go from there, and Kubota, Dr. Kubota calls the Rangers, and he says, Ah, I have recognized an upgrade in tactics. They're being smarter about it. It's terrible that they're doing this, that they've kidnapped these children. But, like, clearly, there's an upgrade in tactics. I don't know why he knows this, because kidnapping children has been, like, step one of six different plans. Well, I, I think it's not just the kidnapping children, right? It's the Independence Day, like, invasion. Like, the other than a little bit in the first episode, the Nezari haven't really done that. They've kind of been going, like, week by week, monster by monster. They haven't been doing, like, full-scale invasions. So the fact that they oh, just, yeah, like, okay. blew up, a, you know, like, a couple of city blocks is very different. So he says, listen, um, like, what's, you know, how how are you guys doing? And they're like, Kenta's friggin' wrecked about this. Right, he's not even uh, here. Yeah, Takeshi, like, we go from. Hospital. Yeah, now uh, Takeshi is in the ICU, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so upset." Again, I don't want to like underplay as though he's like not upset for a very good reason. Right. <laughs> um, and the doctor comes out, and he says, "Listen, we saved Takeshi's life, but like, you know, he's still pretty. He's not in great shape." And then other Rangers show up. And, and they, or, yeah. I'm sorry, the other rangers show up first, and then the doctor right. says, like, Takeshi will live. And the rangers are like, that's great. And Kent is like, it is not great. I put a child in the hospital. I'm never turning into Mega Red again. Yeah, like, I am too and dangerous. We, like, if I can't trust myself to not punch a child near unto death, then it is not worth it. And then we get some really great, uh, sad, like, fuzzy, fuzzy guitar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very nice. And I think we've extremely 97 it's very very good i feel so, like we've gotten a lot of that this season what, what i really like it here is that um Koichiro tries to stop him from leaving and then like he does man i do other- i do just want to say real quick if i may mm-hmm. i'm sorry i do just want to say real quick as a child as a 90s kid I was willing to talk about my love for fuzzy guitar for a few more minutes. Oh, go for we it! We don't man. have to. No, go for it, dude. No, no. <laughs> dude. Can we? Can I just say, I, I love fuzzy guitar. I'm sure there's a like distortion or something. I'm not a, I'm not a guitarsman. Mm-hmm. But only ninety kids, only nineties kids will remember Matt. 
and I I just love fuzzy guitar. Like as soon as I hear it, like that particular distortion sound is like deeply like deeply nostalgic for me. Like as soon as I hear it, I'm like this might be a bad song, but I don't care. But I'll give I'll give it a listen. I'll give it a listen if there's some fuzzy, fuzzy guitar. You at least got in the door. I'll listen. <laughs> you at least got your foot in the door with that fuzzy guitar. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so like, Kamichiro tries to stop Kenta from leaving. I think it's Shun and Chisato who are like, "Listen, just let him go. He's feeling badly." But Kamichiro is like, "No, like I understand where you're coming from, but this is not a problem that can be solved like through sympathy. Like there's a, this is an actual situation, and we need to like confront it and deal with it." And he runs after Kenta. And he catches up to him. He's like, hey, I, uh, like, I understand that you are having a very difficult time right now. And I am sympathetic to that. But you quitting the team is not actually going to set anything right. And that, you know this. That, that is a non-option, my dude. Like, the monsters are not going to stop showing up because you feel bad. Right. So what they decide to, like, what Koichiru's idea is, is like, okay, you, you did a bad punch. So maybe we just need to, like, practice and make it so that you can do the good punches. So let's do, like, boxing training. Yeah, like, the vibe that I get specifically is, is, like, you did a wild punch. Like, you did a punch that you were not, like, fully, uh, like, locked in on. And that's where the mistake is. Yeah. And then we get some boxing training. And you know a boxing training scene is always great. We had one in... I know we had a boxing training scene in O-Ranger. I can't remember how many other boxing training scenes I've seen in Sentai. But, you know, it's it's universal. It's across all cultures and mediums. I was going to say, we, we got a lot of them. There were some really good ones in Die Ranger, obviously. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, so and, and that's so that's what they do. Like, Kenta or uh, Kuichu Sarai just gets, like, the, the catchy, punchy gloves. And, and Kenta gets the punchy, Kenta's- punchy gloves. And Kenta gets the punching gloves, and they're just doing training. And it actually goes really well. Like, he, he goes, like, stop, and Kenta manages to stop. And he's like, all right, cool. Now try it where you go to punch my face and don't. And that's, like, too much for Kenta. Right. He like has, like, the, a flashback so to what, punching uh, Takashi and just, like, freaks out, takes the gloves off, and runs out of the building. Yeah, now, what I dig about this, this is actually some pretty tight storytelling, because what it tells us is a key piece of information. It is not a physical, uh, like a physical problem that Kenta is having, right? Like, he, he doesn't lack the ability. This is a mental block that he has got, because now he's freaked out about, you know, punching somebody. Yeah. Uh, it also shows me that, like, I feel like Koichiru had this idea and knew where he could find some, like, boxing equipment, but Koichiru does not, in this moment, come off as someone who is an authority on boxing training. He's like, okay, man, uh, you, you swing, and I'll keep my hands up here. Then you stop. Okay, now do it again with my face. Oh, boy. Okay, no, this isn't going anywhere useful. <laughs> and then he's lost. He has no more plans after this. Back to the Nazare dimension. And somehow, I... It's not super clear, but they're like, if we turn off the internet, the humans will panic. And that does make sense. I think it made less sense in 1997. But the only... They they mentioned something about INET. And I, like, maybe what they're trying to do is cut off INET's uh, internet service. Yeah. And there's And so, like, the rangers will be cut off. There's one facility that, like, is the hub for all of this. And Uganda is like, well, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for you to get into that facility because it's highly guarded. Like, you know, like, I understand the plan, but, like, this is not as easy as you're making it sound. Guy Rail says, that's cool. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to use those chillins as uh, human shields. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're just going to walk in. They're not going to shoot us if we're holding children. And, and the Nezere are just like, damn, that is a really good plan. Yeah. We had not thought about that. You are 100% correct. They will not shoot children to defeat so us. So Hinalar is immediately on board. Shibalina goes over to the kids and is, uh, I thought that she was going to hypnotize them, but actually she calls over a scorpion Nezere 
to hypnotize them with like laser beams. Okay, yeah. I've got I got two things here, man. First of all, I do dig that Hinalar tells Shibalina to do it because that kind of cements for me that it is not random that all of her plots are like mind control right, plots. She's the mind control person. Yeah, and I I do dig that. But then why does she also, use this scorpion monster to do it? Why a scorpion? It was so good when they had the owl because the owls have the big eyes, and you're like eye like big round eyes equal sign hypnotism, and that makes sense. Why it's a scorpion? Have like a butterfly who does a dance, well, so like a, a snake or something. They did have a moth. Do a snake. Do like a hypnotizing snake. Like a cobra Nazare with a flute. That would have worked. No, it's just a and scorpion. scorpion is, and listen, and he, Scorpion Nazare, does he look cool? Yeah, sure. He looks generically eh, cool. Kind of, yeah, generic. He's not terribly interesting. He's no bee Nazare. No, he, he's certainly not the best scorpion monster we've had across the various seasons. Definitely not. Barra Darts is a, is a, Barra Darts had a, a scorpion mon- monster. Monocle. Yeah, Barajart's ruled. Uh, this guy does not rule. He's fine. He is definitely a background character. Like, as soon as Guy Rail shows up, you're like, this guy is going to be in at least five episodes. Probably at least ten. Uh, as soon as Scorpion Nezare shows up, you're like, oh, you're in this episode because we just introduced Guy Rail and we need to kill somebody this episode, but it's not going to be him. So it's you. Yeah, so um so that's it. So poor Scorpion Nazare. Oh. He is he is born but to yeah. die. Weirdly, Uganda, when they're talking about using the kids as human shields, like and the whoever is in the, the costume for Uganda manages to do a very good job of this despite the fact that he cannot move his face because he is has a monster face or a robot face. Um uh he he is I, I recall when uh, Ranger Danger was going through um, this era of Power Rangers, and they were talking about. I think he was a Cliptor in uh, in Power Rangers. Was the name of the the, the Uganda suit? Uh, they they oh, okay. one of them said that he was a Tron, and I'm still not entirely I... sure what that means. But I also think I agree. That he's a Tron. Yeah, he's got a Tron vibe. Well, it's, and, it's like because I was going to call him a robot. I was going to call him a robot, but robot. Yeah, he's not a robot. Right he is a Tron. He's like a ray traced, ray traced dude. It's I dig yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, but despite the fact that he can't move his Tron face, like you can tell that he has definite misgivings about using children as human shields. Probably not because he cares about children. Probably more because he cares about like. Some vague sense of, like, combat honor. Yeah, no, I definitely get that feel from Uganda. He's talked about that before. Like, that's why he's got it in for Red so much. Because he's like, you beat me, and I want to come back and beat you. Yeah. Um, And so I can see where Uganda would look at this and be like, this is not, like... Like, it's effective, but this is not, like, a tactic that... I think really what it would be for Uganda is he's like, this is not a tactic that allows me, Uganda, to show off what what like a hardcore dude i am right so anyway it it makes me interested in what later uganda developments they're gonna be yeah i have i have high hopes for uganda i think he's gonna i think he's a cool monster um or a lieutenant so we go from there and dr kabuto shows up in a dope car yeah Uh, it's definitely just like shouting and throwing rocks into the water alone yeah, uh, I don't know what the vintage vintager make of this car is, but it it looks pretty pretty sick. So uh, it looks like the sort of car that would look very much um, in place look, in an episode of Batman the Animated the Series. The Animated Series, Matt. We are like I just feel like we're vibing real hard today. I feel like our notes are very similar. I'm into it. It's a good feeling. It's very good. So he. He's like, get in the car as he does. And he says, listen, man, I know you're having a hard time. Um, just come with me. Oh, there's something I need to show you. And then I'll take you for Yakiniku later. And zero response from Kento, which is amazing. And he's like, we'll even get like the fancy like special call beat. Still nothing. And then Kento's like, I'm not in the mood. And Dr. Kubota doesn't pull like a nani. But you can feel in his heart that like it's there. Right. 
Uh, and Kenda then, then does notice that instead of having fuzzy dice hanging from his rearview mirror, uh, Dr. Kubota has like these like small ornamental boxing gloves hanging from his rearview mirror. Oh man, I'm so into oh, also, this. This is a minor thing, but I feel like it's important to mention is that Dr. Kubota is not wearing his jacket. He's just wearing like his shirt with suspenders. We have like we have never seen this before. Right. He is like showing up in like casual, like relatable mode. And I think it's very good. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't flip his chair backwards, but if he had one, you would you know that that would be the orientation. So the drive to a boxing gym. Which of course. Now this is and Kubota, he's kind of like, mmm, whatever. And Kubota's like, no, no, no. He's like, listen, I, you may not believe it, but like I did boxing when I was a kid. And he's like, look at that guy over there. There's a guy in the black shorts. And I don't know if you caught this, but he says, the guy over, like he says something, something, something like, kurai shortsu. And kurai is the word for black. And I guess the Japanese word for shorts is just shorts, which I Wonderful. got a kick out of. I actually did see... I saw, I did not realize the degree to which um, Japanese is so heavily peppered with English loan words. I did see a pretty wild video where somebody, it was like in Japan by Japanese people, and they were like kind of going out around the streets, you know, like late night talk show style. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, can you speak to us for like, I don't know, a minute speaking only Japanese, like using no English loan words? And, uh, and like, basically nobody could do it. Interesting. Yeah, like, it just was not, like, they just could not kind of, like, make make that happen. So, well, I think just the Japanese are very chill about, like, as they're, like, the polar opposite of the French, right? Mm-hmm. Where the Japanese are just very chill. They'd be like, mm, we didn't have, sh- I don't know, I'm just picking shorts. Like, we didn't have shorts before, and, like, somebody showed up wearing shorts. And we were like, what are those called? And they just said shorts. And the Japanese were like, that's not a word that makes sense in our language, but let's go for sure. it. And I think, shortsu, I think it's amazing. I love it. So anyways, he says, listen, that guy over there in the black shorts, he is training to come back. He had a six-month break because he punched somebody beyond repair i think it's what beyond he recovery beyond recovery and he's like he was so jacked up about it that he that he couldn't come back like but now he, he's back like he has a mental block where he like he can box but he's having but he had a lot of trouble getting to a point where he could punch somebody in the face again yes this is i have a very mild a mild beef with this scene and here's the beef that i have this would have been the perfect opportunity to bring back, and I feel bad, I can't remember the actor's name, to bring back Bullet Shoji, the Warrior of Love, for like a quick cameo to be like one of the dudes in the gym. Even if he was like training or something, it would have been I mean, like listen, that. And, and I feel like any time is a great opportunity to bring back Bullet Shoji, the Warrior of Love. It is, but I feel like this was a particularly, this would have been particularly delightful. Like I was almost, I almost was looking for it. Like, I was kind of waiting for it, and then it didn't happen. Anyways, Kubota says, listen, dude, um, the other champion encouraged this dude to come back and and could do his training to have, like, a worthy battle. You cannot make... Oh, is, is that what he was saying? I thought he was saying that the guy who had been injured was telling the, the other guy to come back to boxing so that oh, he maybe. could, like be the champ for the both of them or something. Oh, okay. You know what? Either one kind of works. I didn't, I didn't quite catch it, but um, it's a, it's a very quick line, but he says, listen, dude, you Kubota says, he says, Kenta, you have to keep fighting, but not in the way that like Koichiru does it. Koichiru is just like, you have to keep fighting because there's still monsters. Kubota's like, I think takes a much better attack. He's like, you have to keep fighting for Takeshi and also kind of for yourself. Right, like there's like you can't get past like I know that you are hurting right now, but that sort of hurt is not the sort of thing that you can get past by running away from it. Like yeah. you have to push through it. And like do the thing right and like sort of begin to set things right with your action as opposed to with your inaction. And so Kent is like taking this in, and then they get an alert that there is like a Nezere activity. And Kenta looks at Dr. Kabuto, he's like, okay. 
I'm going to go, and I'm going to do this. And Kabuto says, well, hang on a sec. Because actually... Chill out, bud. Now that that you're willing to punch again, boy, I got a special treat for you. Because now you're gonna now now I'm gonna give you an invincible deadly punch, and he hands him a battle riser, and the battle riser is basically like it's like a secondary henshin bracelet that he wears on his other wrist, but now it is to like program super punches into his body. Yeah, they do not even like quite. Uh... They do not even quite explain even that much. The, the to be only honest. thing that he says is like, "This is the cutting edge like weapon technology." And then he says, "How much power you get from it is up to you." A phrase that makes very little sense, even after having watched the episode. Yeah, it is not. It is not terribly clear what they. I've, I've got an idea as to what he means, and I'll mention it in a minute. Uh, anyway. Kenta accepts this gift, he runs off, he henshins, he summons a cyber slider, and he flies off to go punch dudes super hard. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's actually, it's a really excellent transformation. He does like a, it's like, it's a running henshin, and then as he, like right when he does it, he like does a big flip as he's calling the cyber slider, and like lands on the cyber slider, and then launches. Yeah. So they get to, I don't know, this internet hub building. What um, they say is the coastal city. Ah, uh, coastal city. Like where Green Lantern lives. Yeah. Until Mongol destroyed it. Jeez. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of Emerald Twilight. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I know the one. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Emerald Twilight. Uh... I don't have any jokes about Emerald Twilight. I'm not even going to bother to talk about it anymore because I feel like I've already alienated 95% of our listeners. Um, (laughs) Not because there's anything wrong with Emerald Twilight, just because not that many people remember a story about Mongol destroying Ghost City. Yeah, uh, not a a highlight in my mind. So anyways, uh, Guy Rail... Dave, you want to talk about Parallax for 20 minutes? (laughs) Listen, Matt, don't throw that out there, because you know I I kind of do, actually. Okay. Uh, not necessarily at this moment. I've, I've got more of, like, a standing order for, like, will you talk about Parallax for 20 minutes? Yeah, sure. I spent 20 minutes Googling Hank Henshaw today just because. That was the day I was having. <laughs> so, so Guy Rail, Guy Rail shows up, and... He's got the kids and he's kind of making his way in and the other Rangers are there and they're like, can you fight? And he's like, yes, I can. And they don't throw in an unforgivable here, but you can tell again that they should be shouting. They should be. It's sort of, yeah, it's a, it's an odd step that they don't. Um, So they're, they're trying to fight. Uh, Scorpion Nezere is being like shielded by these brainwashed children and the brainwashed children are sort of like kind of attacking the rangers and they're, yeah, you know, they're, they're getting kids. In some they're getting some like zombie attacks yeah like they're not doing much damage but the rangers can't fight back against them uh kenta is able to like juke himself sort of around this whole situation he gets a hold of scorpion nezere he's beating them up until guy rail pops in it's just like hey uh, it's cool that you're fighting that guy. You're doing a great job. Your punches are excellent, and I want to commend you for them. Why don't you just come and punch me? Also, I am holding a child right now. Just FYI. But please do right. come punch and defeat me. Uh, you should totally do it. I'm a bad guy. You're a superhero. Your punches are so good. Just just hit me with one of them. See what Get happens, Get in here with bud. those punches, bud. Go for it. Uh, Kenta, Kenta can't do it. Can't do it. Has he's flashing in between Takeshi and this kid? He still lacks the con- confidence. He's very concerned. And then uh, Guy Rail just sort of like tosses the kid away. He's like, ah, "I knew you didn't have it in you." And then Kenton does not take this moment. Like once the kid has been tossed away, to then just punch Guy Rail. Right. Well, but the thing is, Guy Rail is doing like teleport dash attacks. He's like very quick and slippery. Yeah. Well, he does. He starts those immediately. And so, so Red is down. Things are looking very bad. And then he 
gets a call from Kubota, and Kubota's like, I've got a message for Takeshi. And then Gairo just sort of chills out for a minute. He takes a quick breather. He takes a quick five uh, while Kenta views the entirety of this VA visual message from from this child. And Takeshi says, I'm fine. Not only am I fine, I don't blame you. I know it wasn't your fault. It was the bad guys put us both in this situation. Like, we're cool. Go do many punches. Yes. So now Kenta is in the fight. He, like, grabs Gyral and jumps, and then they're outside. Because, you know, man, they probably went through a wall or a window or something, right? Yeah, whatever. And he activates his battle riser. And it's got three buttons on it. It's got a one, two, and three button. So, like, he hits... I can't remember if he's going... He like, goes one, two, two first and then one. Yeah. So I know, goes, he doesn't touch three yet. Maybe we'll see three in a later episode. Yeah, he never hits three this episode, which is why I think when uh, Kubota says it gives you as much power as you want, like, he's saying that there are various stages to what this thing can do for you. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So he hits number two. Number two activates the riser chop, where he jumps, and he hits, like, a glowing karate chop. And then he hits number one, and it activates riser punch, which is a glowing punch. These are both very good hits. And Guy Rail sort of, like, stumbles back, like, kind of hits Kenta a little bit to get himself a little space. And he's like, dude, um, obviously we're not going to deal with this right now. I'm out of here. And he turns into, like, real adventure of Alex Mack, like, CGI goo, and, like, flows away. That is also what my notes say. A lot of great pop culture references in this episode. Uh, Kenta now is all fired up. Uh, he goes to rejoin the other fight where the other rangers are still struggling with the children and the Kunekune and Scorpion Nezare. He just like singles out Scorpion Nezare and does that same one-two punch of like the chop and the punch. And it just like... Yeah, that's basically it. And, and what, I, what, is, what it does is two things. One, in the actual action of the episode, it defeats the human-sized Scorpion Nezare before they go and have to defeat the giant-sized Scorpion Ezra. But the other thing that it does is it really gives you a good picture as to how powerful Gyrel is. Because we can now yeah, see, like, point, oh, Gyrel took those hits and was able to just leave. Right. This guy just died. So now we kind of get a vibe that Gyrel is not just another dude. He's, like, a, he's a major guy. Which yes. the episode was already telling us, but this was a good way of uh, demonstrating it. Yeah, so then we get a giant fight, and it's it's like a non-fight, man. There's one... The only thing that's uh, notable about it is that, like, Kenta does pull some, like, um, some, like, slip and, slip and glide, like, duck, like, boxing moves. Um, and then he says something about, like, my my supervision is working, and then they just, like, wreck Scorpion as right? Yeah. Scorpion as is, like, a, a non-entity. Uh, so he's gone. Uh... Cut back to the hospital. Takeshi is okay. He has been downgraded from full head bandages to just, like, one bandage around his forehead. Uh, They all say, like, man, we're really glad to see you. We're glad you're okay. Kenta gives him a bouquet of flowers and is obviously very emotional about the fact that that, uh, Takeshi is okay. He says, listen, I'm glad that you're okay. Also, there's somebody else who wants to, like, wish you well and apologize. Let's go meet this mystery man. Right, and then they, you see them walking, and then Takeshi's like, hey, where did Kenta go? The person who wanted me to meet this mystery person and now has mysteriously left. And they're just like, oh, he had to go to the bathroom? What a and weird then, question. Why would you even say that? Anyway, let's walk over here, where Mega Red is standing, not in any suspicious way. Yeah, so then Mega Red's just like, hey, little buddy, they hoop we're cool. And then Takeshi's like, yes, we're cool. And then that's maybe that's it. Yeah, they they hug. It's very sweet, and that it is the, very sweet. It's not a uh, for what is in in many ways a a highly emotional and action packed episode. It's sort of like a very like it just sort of it's like no, and then it's over. Yeah, of course that's the end of the episode, but it's not the end of our episode, Dave. Because first we need to determine where um, Scorpion <laughs> Nezare goes. I on mean, the it's Creature Royale. It's Scorpion not Nezare sucks. It's not technically the end of our episode. It is basically the end of our episode because, yeah, this this dude sucks. Um, uh, he I mean, is how, okay. He is astonishingly he is less interesting than the ultimate life form. 
he is actually, you know what? Okay. I'm going to, I'm actually going to say something bold here, Matt, if I may. Father Magnet is at the very bottom of our list, or he's very yeah. close to the bottom of our list because he's defeated by his own magnet power. But even that is kind of interesting. Whereas, oh, yeah. whereas Scorpion, so normally to be at the very bottom, you have to be defeated by your own powers. Or like the, that's, the people below Father Magman, Magma, Father Magnet are the people who are like, just like creepy bad, not just like, like off. Yeah, not like monster bad. Like you're just, just bad. like I wish I didn't watch that episode. Bad. Yeah, and so I'm actually gonna put. I don't really m- m- remember uh, Chichi Chipuri, the makeup guy, is what it says. But I'm definitely gonna put Isaiah Bar Scorpion goes at least below Father Magnet. Let's put him right under. Or Father not Bar Scorpion, Scorpion Nazare. What's up? Let's put him under Father Magnet. Yeah. Okay. Between Father Magnet and uh, Barra Vacuum, which puts him at the new number uh, 194. Not great, dude. Not, not a great, great at not all. a great showing, Scorpion. But that is the end of our episode. <laughs> I do. I just want to say that in on the Creature Royale, Dave has written down the name of this monster as Scorpion Nezare, the non-monster. Very good, Dave. Choice. Thanks. Uh, anyway, that is going to do it for this another episode of the Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or want to check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, or if you know how to pronounce Guy Rail, we're on Twitter at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. Tell a friend. Just do, do whatever you want, honestly. I, 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 however you want to get the word out about the show, I support you. Don't, don't listen to these sort of prescriptions. What I want you to you do. Live, do what, you, you live do what your you life. You do. make your decisions. Yeah. Get out there. Anyway, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of the Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you'd like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.